everybody. Happy Sunday evening on the last Sunday before NFL Draft Weekend, starting, of course, Thursday night of this week in Cleveland. I have an extremely special guest where we're going to be talking about not only the rookies in the NFL that are going to be joining NFL teams, but the fantasy football implications. we got a legend on the show. We have NBC Sports Edge. It used to be, of course, Roto World, for those who don't know yet, but we have Thor Nystrom. How are you, Thor? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, the best time of the year, um, and it's a pleasure to join you. Isn't it the best time of year in sports? You know, kind of everything is really kind of churning. We just got out of March Madness. We, of course, have the madness of April's draft. Baseball's in full swing, pun intended, and just basketball, playoffs, hockey, everything is really cooking. But this is my favorite week. It really is where all things like reality football, fantasy football kind of converge. You know, you got your dynasty draft preparation. You got your regular draft and keeper preparation. Then, of course, everyone's a mock drafter. And we'll, of course, do that. But before we get into that, I really, you know, you've been doing your fantasy thing for the better part of a decade. And really, you got your 500-player big board, which is a fantastic resource. And really, anybody needs to go there right away. But before we really break that down, I would love to hear, uh, you know, your path, maybe how things started for you in fantasy. And if you can get a chance to really, uh, you know, pub your work. You deserve it. And we would love to give you the forum. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i one of those sickos who, like, got sort of infected early in life with the NFL draft and the college football thing. I, it's just always been my thing. Like, my mom makes fun of me for in the house. Like, she said she would say I had, like, little scraps of papers with names on it. And, like, because I'd be scribbling down mock draft stuff. Like, w- once the internet started, which I'm dating myself by by saying that was, like, during my, my school years with, with the internet started or whatever. But once it did, it gave me the ability to, to, to be able to tell my parents to print off the, the seven rounds once they were done, you know, stuff like that. You know, I was the kid like doing mock drafts in civics class, like shit like that. Like, um, and so anyway, and then, you know, during the fall, you know, I've always been a college football guy. Um, you know, like I've been obsessed with for people that follow me on Twitter know this, but I've been obsessed with the, the NCAA football franchise on PlayStation going back years and years and years. I, I started playing that in, in middle school and I, I just never stopped to the point that when they stopped releasing the game, I've just been playing that whatever said since the, the NCAA 2014. Uh, but, but anyhow, like, you know, I always wanted to do basically exactly what I'm doing uh, right now from the time that I was a kid. And so I actually quit football uh, my senior year, like, you know, going into my senior, I played through my junior year, but I, I quit football in high school because I got an offer a job to do part-time uh, newspaper work at our local newspaper in northern Minnesota and Brainerd, Brainerd Daily Dispatch. And uh, at the same time, I'd been named like the editor of the the, the Brainerd High School newspaper, the Fishery Journal or, or whatever. And so I, I was I was feeling myself. But like I, I do, I had to I had to hang up my cleats, you know, by uh, I, what I was was a it was a six, a six foot, 180 pound center, which which wasn't going to go. Maybe my at my current weight, it would have it would have been more feasible to try to get to the next level at that <laughs> position. But at that time, it, it wasn't gonna fly uh and so anyway yeah you know i just i got into writing then i, I want to go to a big school you know like a, i wanted to go to an fbs school preferably a power five one because i you know not only did i have the intentions of getting on the school newspaper etc but like i wanted my work potentially to be able to get outside of the campus you know if like you know we're, you know something that's not available you know for instance the d2 uh papers and stuff like that so anyhow i ended up going to kansas uh which is like 10 hours south of my house um 
like I said, I just wanted to get in a, a big sports program. And so, uh, you know, I, I did this stuff, you know, I, I worked on the school newspaper, et cetera. Um, I was lucky enough to, when I got out of there, I'd won some collegiate, um, you know, uh, journalism awards. And I was lucky enough to get an MLB.com internship. They give out 30 a year, one, one per team. And you basically become like the associate, but actually that's what they literally call you. They, they call you the associate reporter for the team. Um, and, and that gave me a lot of good experience. I, I was further lucky enough to get the twins, which was like a dream. Although that was their, either their last season or the season before they, they moved out of the Metrodub. So I had to spend that summer at the Metrodub. That was the only thing that sucked. But anyhow, so, so I ended up doing that. Um, and then I, uh, for just strangely, they, you know, the, 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 the time that it was, was like, uh, getting out of that, the journalism industry was tanking. And so like, I, I did not have a great pick of jobs that I could potentially do. Certainly nothing I wanted to leave Minnesota for. And so I ended up getting into a, a grad school. I got into Iowa's writing program. And so I went there for three years um, and that opened up some other opportunities. I got to teach in China for a year, et cetera. But right when I got into Iowa's uh, grad school, like that week, I got a call from NBC that they'd hired me as a part-time uh, baseball writer for, for Roto World as it was called at the time. And so I, I did the part-time uh, stuff for, for Roto World uh, Baseball for like four or five years through uh, grad school, through that year in China, and then a little bit into when I came back. And then um, we, we had a college football NFL draft section that at the time only one guy was working on it. You know, it was, it was very sparse as far as that goes. Um, and so they wanted to, you know, add more content to that. So they asked me if I wanted to switch to college football in the NFL draft. And I was like, I've been waiting for you to ask. Um, and so that's what that's what I've been doing for the last five, six years. And um, it, it's just super fun. You know, like I said, this is what I've always wanted to do. It's terrific <coughs> story. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, we're on an audio podcast, obviously, but I have the, you know, we're, we're, we're face up on a Zoom, how we're doing this. And you can see the joy jumping off your face. And I can see the dozens upon dozens of fantastic FBS college helmets in your background. And I know you have a lot of fun with that. You want to talk about your little uh, fun Twitter helmet bet propositions here? Yeah, so I, I started a, a collection of helmets and I, I, you know, the FBS helmets and I hope to get all 130 teams that are, the, you know, the play college football in the F, at the FBS level. And, but, you know, the the prohibitive thing is there, you know, they all cost around 25 to $30 or whatever. And if you're lucky, you can get one for, for closer to 20, but that, that you know, it's a rarity. Uh, but anyways, I, you know, I started putting this thing together and then uh, uh, people on uh, Twitter, you know, you know, because I do college football against the spread picks during the fall, um, you know, you'll get people that will disagree with you and stuff like that. And uh, one dude, uh, you know, at one point, uh, it turned out he, he collects helmets as well. And so, you know, I he disagreed with one of my picks and we were on DMs and I said, well, you know, I'm trying to build up my helmet collection too. Why don't we just put a helmet on it? And so then he and I started making helmet bets almost every single week. You know, I'd, I'd send him my column. He'd, he'd go up and down. And usually, you know, we were either generally in agreement or, you know, it was a, a game that he would pass on. But, um, you know, every other week, um, or sometimes every week uh, we had, a, you know, one helmet bet. Uh, and so the, and I did that with a couple other dudes too, um, you know, this fall. So it, it helped me to build up my helmet collection a little bit. But like I told you before the show, I also sent out a, a couple of helmets of my own, but I think I, I was plus helmet. Exactly. You're in the green at all that matters. In the green. Your that's profit right. helmet. So, you know, that's a terrific story that you said about your journey. You know, when you hear a lot of writers' journeys and pathways, it's very similar where you, you grind. You know, you keep on going. You probably, you know, I've re referenced this on some other guests who have similar stories. You battle to get to where you want to be. And when you get to obviously where you want to be, it makes those internships or those kind of hourly wage jobs just kind of all worth it. Was there one, uh, in all your experience, or was there one opportunity that stood out as like, 
this is probably the thing that got me in love with sports to say, you know, no matter what, I'm going for it. Was that one? It could have been a month, could have been a week, could have been two years. What was that one opportunity? Like as far as professionally or as far as like when I was a kid? Uh, before you were kind of quote-unquote professional, on the rise, internship, even if it was something silly, holding a cable somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, just to be completely honest, it, it was basically what I, I realized that I did not have the natural ability to play professional sports. I, like my only other uh, talent in life was uh, – you know, you know, either written the written word or else, you know, argumentation. Uh, and so it, I only had two choices. If I wasn't going to be a pro athlete, it was either I was going to write about sports or else I was going to law school. So I, you know, it became pretty binary at that point. But like for me, it had always been uh, the, the writing thing. You know, like my mom was a journalist. She, she worked for NPR for years. You know, she, you know, would go to different uh, places around the state of Minnesota and do like a live show for like five, six hours. She, she had a, a studio in the, the community college in Brainer, it was called CLC at the time, and they, they, uh, NPR had you know this little space, um, you know that was like they'd outfitted, you know the, their studio, and so it was my mom, and then I, she worked with a guy that turned out that he wrote a New York Times bestselling book. It was this guy named Leif Anger, who at the time was a you know worked at NPR, uh, but, but anyhow, you know I'd be in there as a kid, like um, you know she wouldn't have me as a baby, you know baby, so I'd just be there, you know, and she's like cut. That was back in the day where like. She'd have the, um, they had all the razors around and you actually had to cut the film cut out the fruit, and, then, right. and then tape it together. Like it was, it was crazy, but like, I, you know, I'd be there all day and I'd see like, she'd, you know, be going through, you'd see the huge tape thing, you know, sort of like at the movie theater is, is probably how you picture it now, but you know, the huge film and then it's, it's going, she's listening back to you know, the interviews that she did. And then I could actually hear the, the things start to come together. Cause you know, would listen, 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 go back, listen, listen, cut, cut, you know, put it together. And then, you know, eventually it would, it would sort of form this collection of a presentable piece um and, and so yeah that was something i wanted to do if if i couldn't hang athletically and I, I most certainly could not so i was sitting pretty dead red on that i love it and i have a very similar you know basketball story i uh, knew really rather early on prior to the college years just before wasn't going to extend past high school and uh <laughs> did, did the the editing and the intern thing but uh, we'll go on and we'll talk about of course the draft this week and we'll mix in, you know, some dynasty rookie drafts on the horizon for the fantasy folk. But with your expertise in the college football arena, let's go through maybe just a quick, quick, quick overall review of the, maybe the top 32, 35 potential players going to be selected. Uh, obviously, the first round candidates up top. Um, a lot of talk about wide receivers. We're not going to talk quarterbacks. We could spend probably 14 hours on that whole discussion. But talk about some skill position players or even maybe the offensive line choice of a Sewell or a Slater. And let's start with those skill positions. We could lump Kyle Pitts into the wide receiver group too. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting draft in that we know there's the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks. We we know the identity of the first two. Um, we're going to find out if if San Francisco really is that crazy uh, with the, if the Mac Jones rumors turn out to be true, <clears throat> but or if cooler heads will prevail and they'll take either Justin Fields or I, I'd be fine with Trey Lance there too for sure. Uh, but you know, it's, so that's the top three picks. May even get to the fourth. I mean, Atlanta for sure could take Trey Lance potentially. He would make he, he probably makes the most sense for them of any top ten team because they can just sit him behind Ryan for year and he he essentially has to take an NFL redshirt year because he's the most inexperienced uh, quarterback probably that will ever be taken in the first round he 
He's only got 17 FCS starts, 18 FCS starts, something like that. Um, and so, you know, that makes sense too. Um, but also a potential trade, you know, if, if Denver wants to move up into that, that four slot. And I think that would be Atlanta's preferred uh, option because, uh, you know, Denver would certainly be moving up for, uh, you know, in that case, they could take either uh, Lancer Field, but, you know, saying under the scenario that Mac Jones goes three uh, and then Atlanta, you're in a good spot because whereas they, they would take, you know, Pitts, presumably, you know, for an immediate need thing if they stay at four, but um, getting down to nine would be, would be just fine too, because you're not going to get pits there, uh, but you're going to potentially get a extra, you're going to get a future first round pick maybe. Um, and also you're going to get Patrick Sertan. Um, the, the nine slot is beautiful for them because, you know, the cornerback is their other big uh, immediate need sort of thing. And uh, you get, you know, in that slot, you're one ahead of Dallas. If Sertan is there for Dallas, I, I would be floored if if he is not the pick. Dallas does wonky things sometimes in the draft, but I'd be floored if, if Sertan doesn't go ten. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it, it, just funneling down from the top, it, you know, it, it gets interesting at three. That's more of a binary one. But then, you know, it just becomes like the choose your own, choose your own adventure adventure kind of a thing. You know, at, at three, it's going to be one or the other. It's it's going to be Mac Jones or Justin Fields. It, it seems like you know, maybe Trey Lance, but it seems like that's more of like a twenty percent chance or ten percent chance. But then after that, with Atlanta, the the options right now really really flower out. And I think a part of the reason that Atlanta still has that pick, even though. Miami traded out, you know, they got their godfather offer from San Francisco. Assuredly, you know, Atlanta is having trade discussions with teams, but I think a part of the reason why, um, you know, that hasn't gotten further along, even in the rumor stage, you know, outside of just the fact that they're fielding calls, et cetera, is because I imagine that the teams that they're talking to are just in the dark. Um, as in the dark about the 49ers intention at three as we are. And, you know, you wouldn't trade up in advance without knowing the people that are there. Like for me, for instance, like if I ran Denver, I would be trying to figure out what the cost of that is to get up. But if, um, if, if Mac Jones is the third pick, I want to get up even more because Mac Jones is the one dude I don't want. Right. And so like, um, I, I think some of those teams that are looking at the, the four slot, they probably just want to make sure that, you know, if, you know, San Francisco takes back Jones because presumably they like one of the other two guys more. And so I, I think, you know, if, especially if San Francisco takes Mac Jones, I, I think that the trade calls for number four are going to be fast and furious in that 10 minutes Atlanta is on the clock. And then, you know, the, the interesting thing from there is just like, you know, we have three other, um, you know, unicorny type NFL uh, 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 offensive prospects at their positions that where they're not just as, you know, the best guy this year, but going back several um, in, in the case of Kyle Pitts, it's, it, it's either since Vernon Davis or Tony Gonzalez, you, you can make your pick. He, but he most assuredly is the best uh, tight end prospect since then. Um, and he is way more than the tight end. His just as a, as a receiver, he's essentially Megatron light in, in every metric. Like, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, 90, three percent or 95 percent of 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 him in almost every you know thing but dimensions they're the exact same and actually i think pitts has longer arms which is uh, absolutely ridiculous that's scary but, yeah but because you know the, the quarterbacks are going to go on the top like you got pitts you got jamar chase who would be the best uh receiver of the last couple classes you know mm -hmm. you add him to this one um and then uh um penny sewell as well and penny sewell is the best offensive lineman that i've evaluated in five years of doing this and so the, the quarterbacks push those guys down a little bit which it becomes a coup of course for teams like cincinnati it's a reason that that the dolphins in trading out of three that they needed in conjunction with that essentially what was a three-team trade to get back up to six Pretty from the right. eagles 
because they want to they want to guarantee themselves one of those three guys. And yes, it was brilliant. I I wouldn't have traded down three to twelve either in that spot where I knew I could get one of those those three unicorny guys um, if I didn't have that ability to get back up. And obviously they caught Philadelphia in a time where they were like, okay, we're going to go forward with Hurts. We we don't need to stay in the top six. You know, we'll be able to get one of those Alabama one of the two Alabama receivers at twelve. And so you know they picked up a future first round pick. Um, and you know Miami got two of them, and Miami's going to get one of the guys that they wanted anyway. They, in fact, they, you know, there's scenarios where they get the top guy on their board. You know, I'm I'm not sure which guy that is, but it very well might be Jamar Chase. And right now, it seems like there's a decent, if like a, a really decent shot that he is available there, because the Bengals is another binary one where it's either Chase or Sewell. But right. I'd be I'd be surprised with how bad that offensive line is if 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 it's not Sewell. I agree. Uh wholeheartedly with if I'm running a Bengals organization it's kind of foolish to not protect your year previous first overall quarterback who had a season ending knee injury and then of course you go you got to talk to the marketing department who's putting him on a throne when you see a scar that's as big as as basically you know it looked like a two inch a two yard mark of a scar and that just screams you got to protect this guy and Jamar Chase of course the next teammate is nice but for the Dolphins' dream scenario, you know, there's a Dolphin-centric show, of course, Thor. So if we could put your kind of expertise in a Dolphin light, let's say it, it uh, falls where the top four picks are, of course, quarterbacks. Maybe Denver goes on up with Atlanta in that exact scenario, which would be, of course, a dream for the Dolphin fans because that would mean if Cincinnati's in our mindset and they go Sewell, this means that Chris Greer has the fourth threat position of any kind of the choice of those receivers you know he's got a trade out what would you do in that regard he has Kyle Pitts he's got those three receivers he's got trade out what would you do he ain't trading out because I don't think he would have traded up that far and you know before the draft if you know unless it was we must get one of these three guys which is you probably know, like, the case and and at six you were guaranteed no matter what happened at four of getting one because you know the worst case so what's the worst case scenario for the Dolphins well that's at four if, if the Dolphins or sorry if the Falcons take Pitts because then that's just you know one less guy of the bucket and then since he's of course going to take the other one so then you know your worst case scenario is that you don't have your choice of one of those three you just get whatever but it, it's going to be an effort study either way and then the other scenario of course is the Dolphins best case scenario is that you know whether it's Atlanta taking a quarterback or whether they trade with the team to take a quarterback because then you're going to get your choice of two of them um but you know i i think you know if it's me, like i would guess that jamar chase is the top guy on their board and i would guess that probably penny sewell is next although you know pitts like because you know of the, the receiver like skill set he is essentially you know analogous with a receiver as well so i mean like certainly he could be there as well but like you know for me i think chase would probably be number one because of how acute the receiver need is there um, and then the other two, you know, after that, you know, I, I think they would go either or, you know. It's a spoil of riches almost for the Dolphins. But let's really focus for the moment on the fantasy aspect of things, Thor. And, uh, you know, running backs, you know, there's a couple of good ones. Where do you rank these running backs in terms of your favorite fantasy dynasty drafts coming up? Yeah, so, um, I mean, like my my top running back, um, and he'd been my top running back the whole time, is Javante Williams. And it was a guy like at the time when I put my first thing out, Everyone had him three, 
you know, it was like the whole idea was like, there, you know, there's two guys at the top. It's Najee and ETN. And then there's like a drop. And then, you know, it's like Javante and then some other guys. Um, I disagreed with that. And now it's starting to uh, go in Javante's way. He's starting to pick up steam here. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah reported in two, three weeks ago that, you know, Javante, don't be surprised if Javante, you know, is potentially the first back off the board. Um, and then you've seen, you know, more and more, uh, you know, people around my industry uh, elevating him to number two. And interestingly, a week ago or so, when PFF put out their last uh, big board update, they they put Javante Williams RB1. Uh, and so, you know, there's definitely stuff, you know, going in that direction. I heard that uh, from my friend Ray Garvin that uh, he had heard that uh, the Buccaneers, if Javante Williams is on the board at 32, they will take him. Um, that doesn't surprise me at all. They, you know, it's, it's one of those teams that's like in that, I mean, them more so than almost any team in NFL history is like in a one-year uh, NFL, you know, Super Bowl contention window. Every single year that, you know, Brady, those guys agree to come back, it's a, it's a one-year, like, we got to put all the eggs in this basket. And with 22 starters coming back, I, I think they have uh, – getting a better running back situation uh, might be the best thing that they could actually do for just one year, you know, even if analytically uh, you disagree with that. But, yeah, so, you know, Javante's, you know, first on my board, Najre is, is right behind. Um, and then, you know, ETN is, you know, probably like 10, 12 spots lower on my big board than, than Najre. So I see it as more – uh, Williams and Najee are the one, two, and then a slight drop to, to ETN, um, you know, and then, you know, going down from there, you know, I could take through my, my sleepers or yeah, please, you know, yeah, however, however you want to do it. Yeah, run it um, down. Go ahead. Sure. So some of the ones that I like, um, I like Ramondre Stevenson uh, more than a lot of folks. I, in my first rankings I put out, I, I actually had him RB5, I think. And I got uh, I got a little crap for that at the time. And then I got a, a bunch of shit when uh, Ramondre Stevenson didn't run well at his, at his pro day. Um, because of his pro day, I did drop him two spots. Um, I dropped him to RB7, but I'm still very high in him. And interestingly, like if you look around, um, you know, you know, the, the, the sports betting odds, you know, as, as far as like the NFL draft props, as far as like over under uh, draft slots, um, Ramondre is right around RB, you know, six or seven, like in those odds. Um, and so, you know, it seems like, you know, he's been, you know, it's sort of getting to where I thought he should have been in the first place, I guess. Um, I, one sleeper, uh, this is another guy that it's a late rise, um, but I, I think it's justified, um, is Chris Evans from Michigan. Um, he's a guy that has had a very star-crossed uh, career. Um, he has not played a lot in the last two-plus years. Um, but he was a, a very highly thought of recruit. Um, he did well um, initially at, at Michigan, and then he, he ran into some problems um, where, you know, he could, didn't, like I said, didn't play a lot the last two years. I had to get his academic books in order, et cetera. Um, but he tested like an absolute freak. At his, at his pro day, um, at 510 to 11, he tested in the 98th above the 98th size adjusted uh, RAS percentile as far as a composite. So he's a kid that reminds me a little bit of Aaron Jones, um, another kid, you know, kid who started to rise at the end of his his process, and obviously that has worked out uh, in the NFL. It, it, it's a similar uh, running style and a similar athletic profile and a similar uh, physical package. So I, I think that would be you know the, sort of the bonanza for him, you know, as far as if you took him. But that's a guy that you can get in the middle round. Uh, maybe even closer to the later rounds um, that could start for you for a while. Um, some of these other guys that, that some other people like, I, I'm a little bit lower on. Um, 
you know, like I'm not a big fan of Jamar Jefferson, for instance. Um, and okay. he, te he tested very poorly and that wasn't a surprise to me whatsoever. Um, he reminds me of Ronald Jones that, you know, is another PAC 12 uh, kid from a couple of years ago. Um, and Jamar Jefferson might just be, you know, essentially 90% of, of Ronald Jones, you know, like if you sort of extrapolate some of the, the testing numbers, um, and he's okay. I mean, like every now and again, he, he hit a home run at, at Oregon state, but a lot of times he got stonewalled behind the line. So he, he's not, you know, I, I got him 12 because I think he can, you know, grind out certain plays, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, we can see, we know that he can handle volume too. But um, yeah, anyway, he, he's, he's a guy that I'm lower on. Um, JB and Hawkins, like, well, actually maybe I have him, like, I got him 13. You know, he, he's just sort of like a, a utility back for you. Uh, Puka Williams is another one. I, I compliment yeah, the Dexter McClusher. Yeah, exactly. My boy. Yeah, I, I watch uh -huh. a lot of Puka. But Puka's also got some off-field problems that he's he's going to have to uh, answer for, and you know, to to get drafted, it's no guarantee that he does. Um, but as far as like a you know just ridiculously twitchy uh, type runner, he Puka's fun because he uh, th and it, this actually hurts his NFL evaluation, but it made it really fun at, at Kansas. Obviously, Kansas had shitty offensive lines and they had shitty coaches and they had you know shitty quarterbacks and, and shitty everything outside of Puka uh, for, for his whole time there. But uh, Puka would like. He, he he's you know again the, the ridiculous twitch and he does whatever he wants to do during the run like he'll take the craziest paths and you know be dancing around the backfield and, and stuff like that and uh in Kansas it was really fun because it did lead to uh a few explosive runs that he absolutely just like you know it's like came out of nowhere he he created them himself um but in the NFL um they're gonna they're gonna teach him to follow his blocking a little bit more um they're gonna make him um, because you can't freelance like that. It's sustainability for health-wise too. You're gonna get crushed. Exactly. Yeah, and he had he had some. You know, he would get nicked up too in college. He, you know, a very small, you know, slight uh, sort of a build. And so he's, I think, a little bit taller than McCluster, but not by much. Um, and you know, a similar type games. Uh, one guy, as far as a deep deep sleeper, um, I, I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce his last name right. So bear with me. But Keen Wangu. Keenan Wangu, I think it's the, maybe the last name. But anyway, it, it's a running back from uh, Iowa State that has been stuck behind a procession of NFL runners, you know, between David Montgomery and, and Brees Hall is, is the newest one, a kid we're going to be talking about a lot this time next year. Um, one of the best returning running backs in the nation. But anyway, he was stuck behind them. And you see this every now and again in college football where it's like a, a legitimately good player that just by quirk of circumstance gets stuck behind, you know, someone who was, who was better. Like uh, the Missouri quarterbacks with, with Chase Daniel, you know, Chase Daniel had to, had to back up a guy that that's not remembered anymore. His name was Chase Patton and he was actually a much better recruit uh, huh. before he, he finally got some time there but but anyhow uh that was the situation that that keen was in but he went to his pro day and he made himself some money because I, I think he's going to get drafted just because of this he tested as a 99th percentile uh, size adjusted athlete at six foot two 210 pounds um that that's going to play you know that what do they say that dog will hunt um he, uh -huh, he's going yep. yeah he's he, he's going to have a decent shot to make a team just on 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 that athleticism so, so that's a, another deeper guy. Going even deeper, uh, Nate McCrary uh, from Saginaw Valley State. He tested right under the 95th percentile, and he, he he's a good-looking uh, type athlete. You know, six foot two, thirteen, um, right around where you want for the threshold. So he, he's another guy. Uh, Stevie Scott from Indiana is a kid that's going to hang around in the NFL for a while. Reminds me a ton of Legarrette Blunt, except Legarrette Blunt with his last season at Oregon punched a kid from Boise State. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, oh, I remember that very much. So. Yeah, I was surprised he got his NFL shot after that because that was that was pretty ridiculous but anyway he, you know the game stevie scott will bring you that but without the punching boise state <laughs>
Um, so, so the, you know, those are a few guys. I mean, like, you know, I could go even deeper, but like, th- those are guys that, like, I think, you know, would have a shot. Jared Dokes is interesting too, as far as a deeper guy, because he's a big kid that's athletic, um, that was also in a situation in college where they had several other backs. Um, and Cincinnati's offensive line was, was really up and down. Um, you know, James Hudson is, is one kid coming off, uh, off, you know, from that offensive line or whatever. Um, but he didn't always have the best opportunities, you know, would get hit in, in the backfield, stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, but between all that stuff, we haven't seen him as much getting nicked up and then, you know, playing with some other good backs, but, um, you know, he, he's another guy to look into. We're going to send everybody listening to the board. Cause this is great stuff. If you're a dolphin fan and for whatever reason, they pass on Najee Harris. They pass on Travis Etienne up top. You know, these are some terrific names to circle because the Dolphins are getting out of the, you know, they're getting out of the first two days with a running back. And if they kind of leave it to day three, day three last year, they traded for Matt Breida and that didn't work out. And they signed Jordan Howard. That didn't work out. So I would fully recommend Thor Nystrom's running back board and especially in fantasy. I mean, how many terrific running backs are drafted day two, day three, or even undrafted that end up being fantasy darlings, Thor? Almost every single season, we have an undrafted running back that immediately wins a starting job in the NFL and is immediately every week fantasy starter. Last year was James Robinson. The year before it was uh, Philip Lindsay. Like, you know, it it seems like it happens quite a bit. And You know what I mean? No, yeah, Eckler was one of the guys who I remember yeah, he started off on like as like a gunner, just getting an opportunity on special teams, and then look at him now. He's, he's one of the most uh, sought-after fantasy backs. And, uh, so I know you have a number of shows today. This is like multiple show day for uh, for the grinders out there in the, in the business. So I want to just end with a couple of just best fits, potentially, for Miami. Not mm-hmm. obvious names. Like, don't throw out the Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith. If things get a little trickier, if Miami decides to double up, I'll name a couple of the skill positions, and you could just maybe tell me, day two, day three, best kind of fit for Miami situation. We'll start with a non-Kyle Pitts. Will they dare go a tight end if they lose out on Kyle Pitts later? I'm not sure if, if there would be any impetus to uh, with Gasicki there. You know, I, I think, like, you know, Pitts is, makes the obvious sense where he can play with him. Um, you know, maybe you could look at a move guy uh, later on, you know, if, if you want to go that route. But I, I think that would you wouldn't pick an inline guy in that situation, I don't think. I would agree there. I, I have this kind of thought that if they miss out on Pitts, maybe they look at a Pat Fearmorth from uh, fellow Kaseki uh, school, Penn State. That could be a kind of cool idea, but I'm not potentially married to that. I was kind of curious to see if Yeah, I, I, I just think there's too much uh, overlap of, 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 of skills there okay. with, with with him and right. Gasicki. Um, but, you know, just to toss out some other names, Brevin Jordan would be a popular yeah, one, especially because you can Miami. keep him in the area. I, I would caution Dolphin fans against that. Uh, Brevin Jordan, he, he is very athletic, um, but I, I'm concerned about his ball skills. Um, he's a guy that lets balls eat him up a little bit. He drops that too many. That would destroy Dolphin Nation. Yeah, the uh, the contested catches he's not very good at yet, and he's also he's basically Irv Smith size. You know, he's like the size of an H back, and it's like six three. What is it, two forty seven? And by the way, he tested lower than the 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 fiftieth percentile as far as athleticism goes. Oh, wow. He he concerns me a little bit. He did make some plays in in college, you know. So I, I do have him uh, tu five, but I, that's not a guy that I would want to pay market value for. Just for the Dolphins, Matt Bushman would be a great um, addition. Matt Bushman's a guy who is a move. Tight end, like you don't want him playing in line, uh, but his ball skills 
um, are, are probably just south of, um, in this class, I, I think probably number two um, to, of course, Mr. Kyle Pitts, but like the, the plays that he made, um, the catchers he made, um, and then deep down the field, the, the plays that he made at BYU, and he didn't get to play with in this offense. He, if he would have gotten to play in the 2020 offense, I guarantee you everyone else would agree with me. I'm, I'm Matt Bushman, but unfortunately for him, he suffered an injury in August, you know, when he'd come back. Um, so he didn't play this past season, but he he's a good player. You know, he's a couple old years older than some of these other kids, but um, just as far as a guy that could immediately come in and, and, and catch the ball, you know, f- from the slot position, uh, allow, uh, allow you to do some of those things, I think he would be another fit for the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I love how you mentioned, you know, slot need. I think that if they're going to go wide receiver, look, Jamar Chase, you get him if he's available because he's just the best receiver, I think, of the three. Now, if they're going down further in the trough and, you know, further down the chain, you know, and it's, uh, you know, a day two, who do you think might be a perfect fit slot-wise maybe? Um, I love Amari Rodgers. Who might, you know, you'd be thinking guy uh, slot for Miami? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like if I was Miami, you know, one of the top, one of my top priorities would just be remaking that, that receiving core, not only to make it better, like Miami has a bad receiving core, just in a a vacuum, but what's even worse than that is they are bad receivers that do not tailor to, to a skill set. Tua, if, if you remember back to like his Alabama days, what he was better at than anybody else was hitting receivers on the hands in the intermediate area where they were streaking. He gets like, in fact, I heard Mike Tannenbaum talking about this on ESPN earlier today. You could, you know, that the yak numbers, that the NFL looks at yak numbers uh, for the, the quarterbacks receivers more than, you know, maybe the general public does because it's indicative to them of someone who is putting them, you know, the receivers in, in, in good advantageous position to run after the guy. That's what Tua does. You know, his his explosive plays were like, he because he, he's always hitting the dude on the hand. And, you know, once they get that step or two, um, you get these explosive receivers that, you know, all of a sudden can, can take it to the house. They don't, with Tua, you know, some other quarterbacks, you have to stop a step or you have to reach back a little better you know the, the throws a little bit above your head the the again the reason that you took Tua is because his special sauce is between you know six and 11 to 12 yards downfield he will put it the in the friggin' within an inch you know a centimeter of, of where like he, right through there um right on the spot with bodies in motion you need to get receivers that can do that in the intermediate area which is you know it's the explosive guys right even if you have to accept uh less other you know in, in the other skills of 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 receivers, that's what you need to get him is, is guys that can can create the, the separation in, in that area of the field and, and then run with the ball. Press, uh, Preston Williams, uh, he is not like that uh, for sure. Uh, uh, Parker is not like that. Like these are contested catch dudes, you know, the, the throw them up to them kind of guys. Ball Those don't fit. That. Those don't fit with Tua's game. You, you you know get you know one of the jump ball like get Zach Wilson for that. You know throw them, try to throw them jump balls downfield. But what Tua needs again, it, it's the explosive guy. So so th- that was just a way to set up um, the kind of guys that that I would be looking for. Uh, Kay Johnson is a sleeper uh, from South Dakota State that would make a lot of sense. A, a slot guy that uh, he's not going to do a ton, you know, down the field stuff like that. Um, and it's not even maybe going to be the sexiest, but he catches everything. Um, and so you know just as far as like a, a chain mover potentially that 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 you can get on a discount. Another guy potentially is Tutu Atwell. Yes. Um, two, yeah. Because t- the, the one the one thing I will give the caveat with is Tutu did not run a lot of routes in the intermediate area in college, but he did two things very well. Um, he turned the, the quick hitters into explosive plays. But the other thing, the, the reason I'm bullish on him is for a guy that's that small, 
reliably in college, and especially go back to 2019 at Louisville, he burned people downfield. And so he he can do interesting things, you know, as far as spaces go. If you could teach him to run the intermediate routes at all, um, or to, um, he doesn't like to get hit across the middle because he's only 160 pounds. I understand why, you know, by some of these freaks. Uh, but but anyway, if you can keep him out of uh, harm's way in the intermediate area um, and, and get him into those situations like I'm talking about where, you know, it, it, it's him streaking across the field and Tua just hits him. Like, Tutu's going to find out real quick, like, oh, my God. Like, I was playing with, with fucking Mikhail Cunningham and, like, all these bums. And now I'll run the intermediate routes, you know, because Tua ain't going to put you in the hospital either with those balls. So, you know, it, it's a good good vision thing, too. So so he's a, he's another one that, that, that I consider. Um, Jalen Darden is another interesting one, a guy that makes you miss. Um, let's see. Uh, Simi Fajoko is interesting just as far as the, the uh, a field stretcher that actually has uh, some juice. Um, Tim Jones is, I think I'm higher on Tim Jones than anybody else. This is going way down, uh, but he's a kid from Southern Miss that tested very, very athletically, uh, 90th, 90th plus percentile. And when he was on the field at Southern Miss, he always did stuff. Um, he was always doing stuff, but they had one of the worst situations of any uh, Power 5 uh, program the last couple of years. In fact, last year, it's one of the worst situations I've ever seen. They went through three different head coaches in season. They uh, Their head coach quit after a game or got fired after a game, I forget. And then the replacement actually left for another job while the season was going so they had to oh, name yeah. a second second interim coach and it was just a, a shit show but that's what tim jones was in before um but he's he's a guy who's a little bit over six feet like i said uh the 90th percentile thing he's a guy when you're looking for the thing that i was just talking about on the cheap you know as far as far as catching the ball in the intermediate area getting the step on the dude and then you know she's just going to throttle up field that's another guy i would look at Quan baker is another one you know just going deeper um another guy you know where it's the athleticism fortified he's going to catch in the intermediate area and keep running. That's something that the Dolphins are desperate for, though. I'm in total agreement for you. It's uh, quick, get the ball out of Tua's hands, let the guy do the rest, and all of a sudden you circle about four yards of separation all around them, and then they just have just real estate to roam. So I think that's uh, a terrific uh, bunch of names. Again, uh, for everyone listening, go to Thor Nystrom's 500-player big board, and, of course, check all of his workout on NBC Edge course uh and check him out on twitter you know he, he's really a, a terrific follower you mentioned you do uh a lot of that fun ncaa video game stuff uh, i play a little bit of madden haven't done ncaa football in a while but maybe uh one day online we can get a game or something yeah i might have to you know i don't know if i get the new playstation but yeah but i i, I dabble with madden uh, for a couple of years i don't think i can play it just against a computer but like that playing it online certainly elevates things so maybe maybe this fall i'll uh i'll come out of retirement and start a, a madden dynasty get in one with you that would be fun. And maybe we could even do some fun, uh, you know, helmet bet for Madden or NCAAs. I really like this helmet idea. We're going to have to uh, revisit this. I will take anyone on in, an, in a helmet bet with NCAA 2014. I will take all comers for, for I, that. So, yeah, if anyone is listening to this and, and you want to take on, on the champ and put a helmet <laughs> on the line, um, DM me and, and we'll, we'll get the details set up. I'll tell you what, we can work as like a team like rounders. Like you're Matt Damon, I'm Ed Norton. Like I can snuff out the games oh. and the guys for you and you can just wrap it up, clean it up. Dude, I, I see the, uh, the worm, right? Was was his name in, in rounders? Like I I, oh. I see the, the Edward or the, you know, like the, uh, or the the Kanish, right? The Joe, oh, yeah, like well, maybe, maybe like Kanish. Uh, family is can, from Brooklyn, so you know. Exactly. Yeah. You could be like some sort of combination of the two. And then you send me into these situations that I come out with all the helmets. 
dig deep into a, a little bit of my uh, my Twitter media, and you're, you're going to give yourself a laugh if you haven't seen it. But uh, set, set you on up for that. But you really were a pleasure just giving me all this information uh, of, of both college and fantasy. I love following you on Twitter. I really appreciate your time. So if there's really anything that you can let everyone else know uh, before you get on with your Sunday, which is uh, thanks again for that time, Thor. Of course. Yeah, man. It was, it was great to talk to you. Um, you know, the, like you mentioned that the 500 board, check that out on NBC sports edge, uh, this coming week, uh, you know, the next four days or so I'm going to have multiple mock drafts out. I think tomorrow I, I got a seven round mock draft coming out. Uh, so check that out. My, my rankings are all done by position. You know, if you want to check those out, um, and then on Twitter, um, at, at Thorku is my handle T H O R K U. Uh, I will be very active in, in the week ahead, especially over those, those three days uh, with the draft. I, I always have plenty of heartfelt takes. So come and check me out and say hi. Can't wait for that. Uh, and you know, listen, you know, we're doing some live stream live shows, uh, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. So you're welcome. If you have five, 10 minutes to pop on, give a, give a take. And, uh, of course would love to do this over, uh, the season with you. So appreciate it, Thor. Have a go. And for everyone listening out there. Fins up.